My name is Tony Hodge. Welcome to Conversations About Mining and Society. Robin, you're one of the people who, in my mind, is the thread through all of the life of the Sustainable Minerals Institute. You have seen the changes. You have felt the variations in the mining industry that obviously is a close partner to SMI. Today, what is the toughest issue facing the mining industry, in your view? I think it's the way the, the industry thinks about value. Um, I think it's doing, it's beginning to think more deeply about that, but it's still dominated by this, what we experience as short-term thinking uh, in terms of the way operational decisions are made. So making that connection between what the industry aspires to in terms of decisions on uh, issues of sustainable development, mine closure, dealing with communities. Often these things are, are long-term, but the valuation processes that the industry defaults to are often very short-term. Um, and I'm thinking in particular of things like net present value, which really tends to postpone issues rather than solve them. So the biggest pressures on the industry are short-term in nature. How do you build a bridge between that kind of short-termism and all of those pressures to re get returns to shareholders and the longer-term concerns that are evoked by community environmental concerns, indigenous people and so forth. What's the bridge? Well, I think a lot of the, the even the shareholder organizations are, are now beginning to um, consider more deeply these issues. You, you're seeing a lot of um, activism in that area in terms of what people want to invest in. A lot of these things are coming out of superannuation funds. We're seeing some interesting movements and debate about uh, how funds should be invested, what people are prepared to see their funds invested in. Um, it's not a black and white issue and it's a very difficult one. But in terms of looking at longer term risks, so if you look at the question of mine closure, with a net present value approach and a 20 year mine life, whatever happens in 20 years, um, has very little impact on your net present value number. But in reality, in 20 years' time, the company and its shareholders are going to be facing a huge issue in terms of the actual cost. So I'm going to push you a little bit on that. Mm. Here we are today, and 20 years from now, there's going to be closure. And what you're saying is that with that form of analysis, the value of something 20 years from now is systematically reduced but what does that mean in terms of the real obligations of a company today on their books in terms of liability 20 years from now? What does it actually mean, what you're saying? Well, I think it means we need some more sophisticated ways of acknowledging what those liabilities are um, and what they uh, are likely to be and what the impacts on the company are likely to be at that point in the future. Are investors getting a true picture of what those liabilities are? I, I'm not sure. I think increasingly there's a lot more transparency coming in that area, but I'm not sure it's high on people's radar yet. I think, it's, um, uh, I think that's one of the 
issues that's going to emerge very quickly over the next 10 years. Certainly, um, we've seen here in Australia a number of state governments engaging much more seriously with this question, and we're beginning to see some, some changes in the way that uh, governments are interacting with mining companies. So let me bring this conversation back to um, another aspect of your responsibilities right now. You are responsible for the transformational learning, cross-cutting theme at the Sustainable Mining uh, Minerals in Institute. And that's, to, to me, this issue that you just raised and spoke of in terms of long-term, short-term, really, to me, tells me that there's learning that's needed. And so, bang right into your lap onto the issue of transformational learning. Tell me about that cross-cutting theme, what it means to you, why is it important? Well, the university is in the knowledge business, and, and as well, the mining industry is a very knowledge-intensive um, sector. You know, it has to deal with not only the life cycle of an operation, but also the life cycle of the materials it's mining, a lot of different factors, and often in, in uncontrolled environments in the sense that we never have perfect knowledge about the geology of the mine um, or you know, some of the other factors that impact on operations. So knowledge is really important. It's not just about a linear process of transferring knowledge. We've done this research, okay, we give it to industry. It's actually about creating change in the way that all stakeholders, whether we're talking about industry, government, um, civil society organisations, operate and engage on these really difficult problems. Between 2011 and 2015, we were involved in uh, an in initiative funded by the federal government called the International Mining for Development Centre. Uh, that was a joint venture with the University of Western Australia. And I had the privilege of being deputy director of that, that initiative. And that gave us the opportunity to engage with stakeholders, not only from these different um, types of organisations, but from all over the world. And that really was a, a, quite an eye-opener, I think, for a lot of people in the Institute and, and gave them a tremendous opportunity to hear some of those other voices um, and reinforced many of the things that uh, people had been engaged with. So a related issue, um, in a sense, and again, I'm asking this question from the perspective of effective transformational learning. Um, how much time is, is spent by people participating in the, in the various elements of transformational learning now and perhaps how you would like it to be, is actually spent out in mining operations listening to the mining people? The transformational learning program is probably a little bit different to the other cross-cutting programs. In many ways, we cross-cut across the cross-cutting programs. So, um, <laughs> So from that perspective, our role is to facilitate the processes and the thinking. And I think the other point I'd make here is that we would approach the concept of transformational learning not as something just that the university does and does specific activities, but this is rather a cycle that involves people in the university, in, in mining companies, government organisations, um, civil society organisations, whoever we're dealing with. Um, and there's as much learning goes on in that environment um, as happens in the classroom. And it's a cycle. So you know, we might have a particular activity, a particular course, which is designed to 
to share some knowledge, not only from the university, but also from the participants. People involved will then take that back to their workplace. They'll be involved with their teams on making sense of that, applying it, um, and it may find its way into internal procedures and and then it comes back and people will learn more and things will change. So I very much see the uh, transformational learning program as trying to facilitate that learning cycle rather than just being a series of discrete so activities. It's, it's my sense that the transformational learning program um, has got an immense responsibility in terms of seeding the understanding that will bring the change, the constructive change that um, that people would hope for. So in the beginning of this conversation, I asked you, what is the toughest issue facing the mining industry? Now I'd like to ask you as a final question, what is the toughest issue facing the transformational learning cross-cutting theme? That's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, um, and I'll fall back to my experience prior to coming to SMI, perhaps in answering that question. I, I worked in industry for about 20 years and, and spent quite a bit of time in uh, 10 years in one organization, but also worked for several mining companies before that. Um, and the thing that frustrated me on several occasions was our, was actually our inability to learn as an organization. Um, and, and to, to have a corporate memory to manage knowledge. So on a couple of occasions I was involved, I'm an engineer by background, um, so it's cl classic sort of introverted problem solver. <laughs> and I was involved in a couple of exercises, which um, you know, I still remember in, in vivid detail about trying to understand why certain things were happening. And they were pretty important. It involved explosives, you know, there were significant safety issues and things weren't happening as they should. And we did a lot of work on those projects and we, we got to the end point and we understood it and came up with a series of um, recommendations, some of which were implemented. Um, but in both cases, sort of three or four years later, both organizations started going down the same path again. And, and I was involved from the other side on both occasions. And uh, going back and talking to people Yes, there'd been some turnover of people, but there were still some people there. And yet I was really surprised that the understanding we'd had at the time and, this, and the problem at that time when we solved them was understood um, you know, quite widely in the organization, but that understanding had disappeared. People couldn't sort of relate back to it. So this question of how organizations can maintain knowledge, can maintain capacity um, and build on that, is, is for me a fascinating challenge. Um, and, and it's not just through a series of courses that a university delivers, it's actually much more deeper than that in terms of how organizations work uh, and how, particularly how they manage knowledge. Well, very, very interesting, Robin Evans, classic introverted problem solver. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. <laughs>